This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiamson. And a good good day to everyone out there listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcasting platforms you're listening to. This is the Podium Finish Live, the world's fastest hour racing talk, and I'm your host, Rob Tiamson. As always, joined alongside by my friend and co-host and motorsports journalist, Nathan Solomon. We're so happy that you could join us for episode number 51 of our podcast, which, yes, it is crazy to think that this basically is the one year week of our show, because a year ago, Nathan and I decided, let's bring back the TPF platform to the podcasting world. And on that show, of course, we had Alex Andreev, who is now with The Athletic, but at the time with the Charlotte Observer, and Eric Jones as our guests. Um, and then it was pretty fun. And maybe we'll get both of them on the show again sometime soon. I'm so happy that you could join us today because this is the post-Homestead pre-Martinsville edition, or as you kids say, Martinsville, like Bill Clinton. <laughs> Anyways... Our guest today on the hot seat is going to be Alex Bowman. Yes, the Bowman the Showman. I know he's been sidelined since the crash at Texas Motor Speedway, and we all sincerely hope for the best for a full and speedy recovery for for Bowman. But I had the pleasure to talk to him during the Texas Motor Speedway race weekend, a few hours, of course, before race time. And uh, yeah, he's just got a lot of great things to say about the number 48 Ally racing team fielded by Hendrick Motorsports. So we'll hear from him, of course. And uh, we did talk a lot about off-topic topics, which is fun. Because if you if you like funny drivers, then this is the podcast for you. Not a lot of shop talk, just a lot of just sitting down, enjoying a Sunday morning kind of chat. So we'll have Alex Bowman here later on in the show. But for now... We're going to bring in Nathan, of course, who, um, hey, man, I listen, I know what it's like for a sports team to have a, a clean sweep by the Houston Astros. And I hope that the Yankees fans know that there's hope, although right now they probably want the head of everybody except for Aaron Judge. But uh, Nathan, on this Tuesday evening, as we get ready for the new weekend, both of us not watching the World Series, how are you doing today? <laughs> Uh, I'm telling you this, I'm still certainly pretty frustrated about the New York Yankees. Uh, that was pretty disappointing after, you know, coming back, winning the ALDS, and then getting swift in the ALCS. All the money I put into going to the ALDS against Cleveland out the window for another disappointment. But we'll uh, we'll try to bounce back. Certainly need a little bit of help in the offseason, but I'll digress off of that for now. But um certainly got a lot of talk about here um getting to your getting to the end of the season got martinsville got phoenix and then it's the offseason which is pretty crazy but um a lot of a lot of storylines here going into these last two uh two weeks and I'm, I'm certainly ready for it yeah for sure i mean it's the final push to the end of 2022 and then we pretty much get to hype up the 2023 season during the offseason so a lot of racing talk to be had, and I'm sure that in between now, all the way up until the LA Clash um, in early February, we'll have some great content for you folks and uh, some interviews as well. So just stay tuned for that. But for right now, before we get this podcast underway, why don't we hear from our sponsor, SpoilerDiacast.com. Hey, race fans. Are you in the hunt for the latest and greatest in NASCAR collectibles from Lionel Racing? or sprint cars from Acme Diecast? Head on over to SpoilerDiecast.com. They've got a lot of offerings that you cannot find anywhere else, as well as some hidden gems that you may have lost during your childhood. And if you spend $20 or more on in-stock items or pre-order items, you can save 5% off your order and get free shipping if you use promo code TPF. Recently, I bought myself about five diecast cars from the Lionel Racing Collection, and it was going to be about $50, but with my promo code of TPF, not only did I get free shipping, but I saved about $2.50. Pretty awesome, I'd say, and my order arrived within three business days, which, honestly, that's pretty fast given how you can wait around with snail mail all day long, but hey, Evan and his team got it done, and I'm a pretty happy diecast collector right now, so head on over to spoilerdiecast.com, and if you spend $20 or more on in-stock items or pre-order items, use promo code TPF and you'll mean Victory Lane, knowing that you save some money 
and look like a pretty awesome driver or car owner in your own right. SpoilerGuideCast.com to be in Victor Lane right now with promo code TPF. Well, now that you've checked out our partners over at SpoilerDieCast.com, why don't you tell Evan and Esteem that they're doing a great job? And uh, yeah, they're really speedy about their their um, their shipping. I mean, you can order a car or a bunch of cars on Sunday night, and hey, Wednesday afternoon comes here. I got it in here in my house, so super super awesome, speedy delivery, as they say. Uh, so check them out; they're a great great company for sure. But right now. Hold off on that shopping list, because right now, it's time for Podium Perspectives. Well, Homestead Miami Speedway was a pretty dominating one for a couple of drivers, and those two drivers are going to be the topics here for the first half of Podium Perspectives. Now, on Sunday afternoon, I don't think it's a total surprise that Kyle Larson dominated at Homestead Miami Speedway. After all, he did that in 2017, and he was in the, in the fight in 2018, uh, but circumstances just didn't fall his way, and someone else won those races. Namely, the fact that the champions of the NASCAR Cup Series won those races, um, Martin Truex Jr. and, of course, Joey Logano. But this year... Homestead Miami Speedway played host to the penultimate round race of the round of eight. There was nothing really on the line for Kyle Larson as a driver, but I'm sure over at Hendrick Motorsports, they're focused on winning the owner's championship because there's that weird situation, of course, where the number five team is still eligible for the owner's championship. So Larson, they had a really fast car when they unloaded it off the hauler. They got the fifth quickest time in qualifying. And it only took them about 28 laps to take the lead from pole sitter William Byron. But I think the one thing that neither of us expected was that he would lead all but 68 laps of the race, which is absurd. Um, if you talk about a, a masterclass in domination in NASCAR Cup Series racing, just watch Kyle Larson's performance in the 2022 Dixie Botka 400. And uh, lo and behold, he won his third race of the year. And the number five team did punch their ticket into the championship for owner's championship fight at Phoenix Raceway in a couple weeks time. And uh, Larson had a lot of fun things to say about the win and um, a really colorful metal metaphor, which you'll hear from his interview with NBC Sports. So here's Larson after he won the race at Homestead. Kyle, going to go get the checkered flag first. Celebrate with the fans for a moment. I know this is one you wanted bad. Is this sort of reminiscent of last year when you guys were so dominant, Kyle? Maybe the best run you guys have had all year long. Yeah, definitely the, the best run we've had all year long. It's We've been capable of it. I feel like many weekends we just haven't uh, quite put it all together. So Cl Cliff gave a, a great speech this morning and got us all ready to go and focused and um, did my best to keep it out of the wall. I, I got in the wall a few times, but I could still make speed um, doing that. So uh amazing race car um i knew that that last run was going to be short enough where i was going to be in some sort of trouble there but thankfully aj and ross were, were racing hard behind me so uh huge thanks to valvoline hendrickcars.com everybody at hendrick motorsports too um I, I think it was a good day for for chase and william um but yeah happy for our team and we get to go race for an owner's title in phoenix in a couple weeks so um we're, we're still technically not out of it. I know I, I, I can't win the championship, but it means more to me to, to win it as a team. So um, we're going to go to Phoenix and try and get another championship. I have to ask you about the contact on pit road with Martin Truex Jr. What was your view of what happened? Yeah, so I was just uh, going behind him and um, he hung a hard left and was hard on the brakes at the same time. And uh, I ran right in the back of him. So um, I don't know if my team said he was he was late, turned into a stall, but um, I don't know if it was my fault. I'm sorry. I don't think it was, but um, it's it's hard to see down this this pit road. I don't know if fans and people realize when you got debris all over your windshield, the sun shining straight in your face. It's hard to see your stall. So um, hate that happened. He was definitely you know, the, the one that I was going to have to beat. He was he was really good that last long run too. So 
Um, what a fun day. Uh, I've always wanted to race here during the day at Homestead. We could rip the wall and um, finally have a, a car tough enough for me to be able to, to run the wall and finish the race. So uh, a lot of fun today. Hope you fans enjoyed the ass kicking there and uh, hope we can do it again in a couple weeks. Now, Nathan, I'm glad you, I'm sure you and I are glad that we made that pick of Kyle Larson. <laughs> a few of our folks in the TPF team went else in different directions, but you and I both chose Larson and uh, we're sitting pretty right now in our TPF cup series standings. But uh, what did you think of Larson winning the race and the number five team getting their chance to fight for an owner's championship after everything they've been through this month? Well, I'm not particularly surprised because I know how good he is there at Homestead. I know he had never won there, uh, at least in the Cup Series. Maybe he has an extended truck win there. I don't remember. But um, just with how good he is there, I mean, it's kind of a matter of time. And obviously he did that in pretty dominating fashion. Um, you know, it didn't take much time for him to get up to the front, led laps, won the first stage, won the second stage, won the race, really the first time. We've seen that here with this next-gen car. Um, it's been very hard to dominate you know, just with how even everything is. So kudos to him. Um, basically spent the entirety of the 267 laps riding the wall. I know a lot of guys kind of switch back and forth, maybe between the upper groove, the lower groove. Um, obviously the upper groove is kind of your aggressive, your aggressive um, groove, right? Like if, uh, if you're up there, you're more likely to, to make time and have quicker laps, but uh, so I would see at risk of, of knocking the fence down, but kind of like what he mentioned, um, you know, with a stiffer, more rigid bodies on the, on the new cars, he's able to kind of run up the fence more and um, do it. I'm not going to say totally risk-free, but with, with less of a risk, knowing that if he kind of just bounces off the wall, it's not really going to hurt him. So he stayed up there all day. Um, a lot of folks didn't really migrate up there towards the end. Or like I said, kind of did it um, in phases, maybe would go up for a little bit, maybe come down for a little bit. But um, again, that's clear the fast groove, found it, stayed up there all race. And that's why, he, you know, constantly put out the quickest times. And, uh, and won the race. I know it got a little got a little interesting there at the end with uh, Martin Truex Jr. and Pitt Road. Fortunately, everybody was all right in that um, that ordeal. I think that if there was a car that was going to beat Kyle Larson, it would have been Martin Truex Jr. He was almost just as fast as uh, Kyle Larson. And Martin Truex Jr. certainly knows how to get it done at Homestead Miami Speedway too. He's um, you know he won championship there right in the wall too. So um, I think that if Truex didn't spin there on pit road. It probably would, it would have been a really good finish. Those those guys seem to be really even. I mean, Martin Truex Jr. was really, really good when he was out in front too. But I know Larson, he may have had a bad stop there under one of the cautions and lost a couple of spots, but uh, was able to get it back there and, uh, and win the race, which is very deserving with, with the way he uh, he performed throughout the um, the whole way, or throughout the whole race. Um, but now we kind of have an interesting circumstance where the championship four for the owner's championship and the driver's championship is going to be different because Larson's now in the owner's championship will not be in, in the driver's championship. So uh, owner's championship is what makes all the money. Uh, but driver's championship is what has all the prestige. So um, I think this is the first time in the playoff format we've ever had, at least on the cup side, we've had a different driver's championship and cup in, um, excuse me, driver's championship in a owner's championship. I don't know why that word just slipped my mind, but uh, at least in the playoff era. So, should be exciting there. Uh, he, obviously, he's good at Phoenix as well. So uh, if he can if he can win at Phoenix, then then you know he'll he'll certainly win a lot of money for his team, even though he won't get the get the big prestigious trophy there at the end. And that would be create a really unique situation on the Cup side of things because it's happened a few times. I think in the Xfinity series during the playoff era, but in terms of the modern era in Cup, it's never happened. And I think the last time that we've had a sort of Different owner and different driver winning the cup championship. You'd have to go back to 1963. So quite a long time ago. But um, yeah, like you pointed out, he's really good at Phoenix. And he ran pretty decently until the engine expired in that March race. So, hey, there's no telling what could happen in the championship four, as I'll jokingly call it, the championship five. Because technically the five team and the owner's championship will make it a five car contest on that side of things with, well, the driver's championship, the four, and then he's the court of the fifth driver or car to watch as far as the championship's concerned. So we'll watch out for that. And yes, for sure. I'm glad that everybody over a Martin Truex team is okay. That was certainly a scary situation. And uh, if that didn't happen, we would have been treated to at least a four car battle for the win because we got a little bit of that with 
Ross Chastain and AJ Allmendinger until both of them were just battling each other tenaciously enough for Larson to pull away in those final 17 laps. Now, another driver who enjoyed a fine weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway was Noah Gregson, who, again, no surprise, he's really good at Homestead Miami Speedway. In fact, um, one of my fellow journalists on Twitter was saying how absurdly good Noah Gregson is at the racetrack. But the only thing that, you know, he was looking for, he is in Gregson, of course, was a victory because he's never won in Homestead until Saturday afternoon. And much like Larson, he rode the high groove and uh, pretty much stayed focused lap after lap. I mean, I would say he was that intensely focused that to this day, at least on Tuesday evening, he's still quite a bit mentally spent from it all based on his interview with NASCAR Race Hub on FS1. But yes, he won his eighth race of the season. He's in the championship four. Was it really ever in doubt because of how dominant he's been in the Xfinity series? Not really, but he can breathe a little bit better. I hope he will in terms of this weekend's races at Martinsville as he's pinch hitting still for Alex Bowman. But what did Gregson think about his victory at Homestead? Does he consider himself a championship favorite? And uh, is it sort of a dress rehearsal now until Phoenix Raceway? Let's hear from Gregson, courtesy of the telecast. Welcome to the championship for Noah Gregson. Two JRM cars now in there. Luke Lambert with the call at the end of the race and Noah taking this one in. This one means a lot. Let him get his helmet off. Let him get a breath here. Boy, Noah, is there any racetrack you wanted to win more than Homestead Miami? They just kicked their ass, baby. Let's go. Yeah, I wanted this one so bad. Last three years, just. Words can't describe how thankful I am for everybody at Junior Motorsports. Just uh, unbelievable. Thank you, Bass Pro Shops. And, uh, and I'm worn out. I'm sure you are, but now to race for a championship with this race team and another win on the season, Noah. Are you guys now that you're in the championship favorites? Nah, that's for you to say. <laughs> How do you feel about the shot at Phoenix where you won in the spring, Noah? Well, I was driving my ass off there, threw him up on the dash, and uh, takes a lot of focus to run the fence like that. And Picker did a great job, just uh, really grateful. Man, I'm worn out right now. Now, it was announced earlier on Tuesday that basically the core elements of the number 19 will stay together going into 2023 because his crew chief, Luke Lambert, is also joining him in the Cup Series, which that's pretty awesome that Petty GMS is going to keep that two together um, because they've been so good. They communicate so well. And I feel like the, the chemistry between Gregson and Lambert is pretty much what you're looking for from a quintessential driver crew chief relationship. But on the driver's side of things, Nathan, I mean, do you really, like, we've been saying this basically all season long, but are you convinced if you haven't been already, I'm sure you are already, but are you convinced that now he can tally his first Xfinity series championship before he graduates the cup next year? I mean, yeah. I mean, he certainly, certainly has to be the favorite right now. Right. I mean, uh, it's kind of got, it's kind of got everything going for him now. I mean, hosted Miami Speedway, kind of the same boat as Kyle Larson has had a bunch of dominant performances there. Just had never gotten the job done last year when the race was held in the spring. Uh, like last lap, he gets caught up in the mess of a, of a lap car and crashes and doesn't win the race. Like it's just been kind of um, weird circumstances like that. But now with eight wins, I mean, he's, you know, by far the favorite. Um, I'm trying to remember correctly. Did he win? I should know this, but did he win Phoenix in the spring? Yes, he did. That's what I thought. So he knew he won Phoenix in the spring. He certainly has a lot of speed there. And the JRM cars have just had tremendous speed everywhere. Uh, whether it's mile and a half, road courses, um, super speedways, you name it. They've been up front. They have those old uh, those old Hendrick chassis that have had tremendous speed. So it wouldn't surprise me there if, if Noah Gregson won out for the season. He's good at Phoenix. He's also very good at Martinsville. 
um, won Martinsville, won this race last year. So um, if wouldn't surprise me at all to see him get to uh, get to 10 wins in the season. In terms of next year, though, um, look, this has certainly been a winning combination this year with Luke Lambert and, and Noah Gregson. I'm sure that'll continue next year. And but the, the, obviously the only difficult thing is, you know, going to cup, that's, that's a huge step. Um, and, and looking at the whole cup series scene, there's really like 26, 28 cars, in my opinion, next year that will definitely be capable of contending for wins and, and contending for a playoff spot. So it's not going to be easy for them next year, but uh, I, I think that, you know, that duo certainly has potential to go to great right up to petty GMS uh, and have, have some immediate success. I know Greg's struggled a little bit at times, in the cup car this year with the starts between, um, you know, colleague, you know, Hendrick motorsports, but uh, I'm sure he'll continue to get adapted to it. I know he said, Hey, maybe I'm not quite going 110% because I'm afraid to get hurt. Uh, and that sucks. That has to be like that just with some of the safety concerns, but um, obviously his priority is still on the Xfinity stuff. So, so wants to make sure he's healthy for that, but um, with more time and experience, Gregson will get, you know, continue to adapt. And I think that that combination will definitely be a multi-race winning combo uh, in the cup series in the future. I don't know about necessarily next year. I think, I think they can win a race though next year together. That's for sure. Yeah. That's the thing that's going to make next season. So interesting is that there's so much parody already lining up based on talent and past performances that, you know, we should expect petty GMS to have two drivers capable of winning races. Um, you know, far be it for them to be a championship contender right now. They're they're still they're still a bit of ways away from that. But you know, based on the, on how Eric Jones and Dave Ellens have gotten along, and they won at Darlington, and they've been really good this season, it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see Gregson um, and Lambert do so well uh, in the number forty two team. And if you think about it, it's pretty interesting that a pair of junior motorsports crew chiefs are now graduating to Petty GMS. So. It's I, I want to call them junior motorsports, sort of, for next season. I had a feeling this was going to happen, though, because um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was basically talking about this in the winner's press conference uh, for the Xfinity race after Gregson won his race at Texas Motor Speedway. He was basically saying, like, look, man, it's the ultimate honor for a, one of my people to graduate to the Cup Series, because if they do, that means that my team has done a really good job fostering a winning environment and culture. And obviously Gregson's embody that throughout his career, as you've known. And Luke Lambert, these two just happen to have such an incredible communication and bond with each other. Um, and it's so evident. It's it's really fun to watch these two work together. I, I even saw it up close when I interviewed Gregson earlier this year at Austin. Uh, for the uh, race at Coda and how goofy they were. And I, I recall too, that they had a little fun moment at Phoenix Raceway pretending to do the Ryan Newman rant at Phoenix Raceway. <laughs> so if you can have a little bit of fun with your, your, with your teammate and you can win, man, life's pretty good. I would say in a competitive sport like NASCAR. Well, we're getting to our penultimate topic here. Still sticking with Homestead Miami Speedway, of course, but now let's talk trucks because we haven't talked a lot about them a lot. And with their schedule being so spread out, we don't really get a lot of time for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, which I can't wait to finally say NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series starting next year. But in that particular race, Ty Majeski, who's already in the championship four, well, guess what, folks? He won the race on Saturday afternoon. And along the way, Zane Smith, Chandler Smith, and Ben Rhodes advanced to the championship four. So it's going to be a really interesting dogfight between those four drivers and Chevrolet is locked out of the championship four because now we've got um, basically a bunch of Toyotas and one Ford that's based, that's going to fight for the championship um, at Phoenix Raceway next week. But I know, Nathan, you were watching the action very closely on Saturday afternoon. I mean, what's your thoughts or synopsis, if you will, on the championship four field for Phoenix for the truck series? And you mentioned too there in our team chat about a sort of controversial moment with door sport um, racing. I know it didn't get a lot of attention, but kind of elaborate on those uh, those tangents. Yeah, first of all, I mean, shout out to Ty Majeski. I mean, hasn't had um, you know entered the round of eight without a win in NASCAR. Goes there and and wins two of the three races to firmly secure a spot in Phoenix. 
Um, so ton of credit to him. Um, had been running in front all year. Uh, now wins at Bristol, Homestead. Uh, got him in a good position at um, heading to Phoenix with a ton of momentum. So he's certainly a guy you can't count out. Um, you know, the other two of the others in, of course, the kind of the dominant two this season, Chandler Smith and Zane Smith. They both I believe both have three wins apiece this year. Um, you know, both both had a very good years. Zane Smith um, won a little bit more earlier on. Hasn't won in a little while, um, but um, Chandler Smith kind of his wins have been sprinkled out throughout the course of the season. Been very consistent. Um, so then there's your third. The fourth, of course, Ben uh, Ben Rhodes, the 2021 series champion, secured that spot. And there's that's kind of where that controversy that you mentioned comes in a little bit. Um, you know, towards the end of the race, he was racing around. You know, a couple of his teammates. Um, Matt Crafton and, uh, and, and Christian Eckes. Um, basically, the situation was Stuart Friesen needed to finish five spots ahead of Ben Rhodes in the race to, to, to get the last spot, right? And Friesen had a good run. You know, uh, a lot of we always talk about dirt track guys, they always have a good, they always seem to be really good at Homestead. And Stuart Friesen, certainly a dirt track guy up in uh, up here in New York. Um, I was running third basically all day. Uh, ben Rhodes was, you know, running seventh, sixth, and then his teammates kind of came in. So there's certainly theories about, hey, you know, maybe his teammates helped give him a spot, um, you know, kind of blocked other trucks from passing them um, just so, you know, Rhodes can can get that last spot. But um, I don't think we're ever going to know the answer to that. I know NASCAR is trying to crack down on that for, on, on quote, unquote, manipulating the results of the race, but I don't think it's certainly anything that um, – if there's any data linked to it, uh, I think there's maybe, you know, Eckes and and um, and Crafton certainly could have gone a little bit harder, I think, and, and, and would have been able to, to maybe pass Rhodes. But in the end, I guess, you know, that's why you have your teammates to try to help you out in, as much as possible. Again, we're never going to know the ever know the truth of it. I don't think there's any direct team communication about it, because I think in that case, there could be, you know, some sort of suspension or, or, or something like, or along those lines, kind of more similar to the Cole Custer situation. But um, that's not the case. Certainly, you know, frustrating for Stuart Friesen, who didn't have a teammate, um, but kind of just is what it is, though. Um, you know, in the end, probably at least four out of the five or six, you know, real deserving trucks this year are, are in, especially the, the, the two most deserving trucks are, are in the playoffs or excuse me, in the championship four with the opportunity to win championship next week in the Phoenix. And of course that'd be the, be the Smiths. Um, really the, the big name that sticks out, not in the championship four, that'd be John Hunter Nemechek basically knocked the wall down like 10 laps into the race, blew a couple tires. Um, that was his day. So two years in a row now with uh, some tire issues and uh, hitting the wall early, contact early for, for John Hunter Nemechek, taking him out of the championship or out of his championship hopes. Um, had down a year last year, hit the wall or hit made contact with somebody in Phoenix early on, like second lap, um, you know, blew a tire, suffered damage, uh, ended his day there basically. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Nemechek has, uh, has cracked a little bit under pressure lately. I don't know if it's tied or, or just a coincidence or what, but uh, we'll just point and not see him there in, in really is likely his last truck series season, at least his last with uh, uh, KBM. But, um, you know, in, in the end, there, there, there's definitely four really deserving guys there uh, that'll be fighting for the championship next Friday in Phoenix. It's going to be a late one at Phoenix Raceway next Friday for you folks in the East Coast. It's 10 p.m. East Coast time, which not a lot of folks in the East Coast are not going to be thrilled about, but if you're out in Phoenix, it's a it's a pretty decent time, 7 p.m. But yes, we have a really solid field for the championship four, and uh, any of those four are really deserving drivers, uh, regardless of how they got to that the, the path to Phoenix. So we'll talk about predictions on that. I wish I could tell you who my prediction is, and it's not going to be the obvious pick, if you will, but um, certainly... We'll keep in tune with that, or as they say in the industry, stay tuned, don't touch that dial, um, if you will. Now for our final topic for Podium Perspectives, it's the same old usual one that we do at this time of the uh, podcast. It's it's winning time. Now for this particular week, again, it's going to be naming a winner in Dark Horse for the Xfinity and Cup races. Now I'll let Nathan again take the lead on this very shortly but let me just kind of do my little housekeeping about winning time. So of course for the Xfinity series race, it's the dead on tools 250. 
This time it's not a Saturday night race. It's going to be a Saturday afternoon race on October 29th at 3 p.m. East Coast time, 2 p.m. Central on the Mothership Network, NBC. And then, of course, uh, Noah Gregson is the defending race winner. Then for Sunday's Cup race, Xfinity 500, that will be caught on Sunday, October 30th at 2 p.m. East Coast time, also on the Mothership Network, NBC. Unfortunately, the defending race winner, Alex Bowman, will not be competing in this event. But hey, he's going to be here on our podcast, so almost cool. But we certainly hope he is back and fully healthy and ready to be back in the number 48 car because uh, he is sorely missed. And uh, I seriously want to hear him give his teammates crap. It's always fun. But anyways, Nathan, why don't you tell us who your winning and dark horse picks are for Xfinity and Cup? In the Xfinity series, I'll go with someone to switch it up a little bit. It's the guy that we haven't really talked a whole lot about lately. They've been very quiet. Um, almost been made, making more noise on the Cup side than the Xfinity side, it seems like. But uh, Ty Gibbs, he hasn't won since Michigan, I don't think. Um, about the time he started doing some double uh, regular double duty for uh, 2311. And, um, and then, of course, his regular Xfinity series duties with JGR. So you got to wonder if that. That's been a distraction a little bit, but uh, I'll go with Ty Gibbs. I know he kind of got one um, taken from him a little bit in the spring race. I think he'll respond and uh, lock himself for good in the championship four. Uh, he'll probably make it regardless unless he has like a catastrophic day. But um, I'll, I'll go with Gibbs to lock himself in. Um, with dark horse pick, uh, this is a, a guy that's really had been a dark horse all year. And I don't think he, he's gotten really a whole lot, a lot of love. And that's been Kyle Weatherman. I mean, it kind of seems like anytime he's in that 34 car for Jesse Ruji racing, he always has top 15, top 20 speed. It's always up there in the mix and maximizing that equipment. Um, was qualified eighth at Homestead, was running the top 10 for quite a while. So kudos to him. Um, you know, tracks like Martinsville, like some of the shorter tracks is where he's had his most success too, I think. So um, I'll, go with, I'll go with Kyle Weatherman as my dark horse pick. Maybe uh, contend for a top 10 there um in the cup series again it's i think i said this last episode but it's so hard to pick a dark horse in, in cup because like there's still there's legitimately 25 cars 25 28 cars and go out and win, in, and win the race but for my hit my race pick i'm gonna go with denny hamlin i think uh yeah denny hamlin uh, kind of a home race for him at home in Virginia. He's he's good at both Virginia tracks, Martinsville and Richmond for that matter. So um, it's five points below the cut line right now. Uh, a win gets him to, to Phoenix. I think there's a good chance um, that, you know, um, if he gets to Phoenix, then, you know, he could be able to go on and, and win that first championship. So, um I'll go with I'll go with Denny for sure to to win on Sunday, as a bit of a as my dark horse pick. I'll go I'll go with Michael McDowell. Um, you know mm-hmm. McDowell's been having some good runs all season as well. Uh, I know his his first year crew chief Blake Harris is is moving on after after next season, or after this season to to join Alex Bowman uh, at Hendrick Motorsports next season. Um, but um, I'll, I'll go with Michael McDowell to, to finish off the seed strong and have a couple more good runs there with uh, with Blake Harris before they probably kind of part ways after after this season. Yeah, this is going to be a tough weekend for racing picks because unlike Homestead, where you and I basically were dead on, not dead on tools, but dead on about the picks, this one's going to be sort of a harbinger, like uh, kind of a you know, throw a dice out there, figure it out, and see what happens. So. I think this week I'm not as confident about my picks, but hey, this is why you folks tune into this part of the show. So good picks right there, Nathan. Now here's mine as far as Xfinity and Cup are concerned. Now for the Denon Tools 250 Surefire pick, I am going to say that we should not dismiss Brandon Jones. Yes, I know he's kind of got his back against the wall. And really, his only chance to really get to the championship four is a victory. And what did he do in April? He won the race. So I like your idea of going to Joe Gibbs boys um, for the victory, but I, I, I'm going to stick with Brandon Jones on this one. I think he'll make a statement and sweep the races in the city side for Martinsville before he makes his way to the championship four. And then eventually goes to junior motorsports for next season. As far as a dark horse 
driver pick is concerned, man, you picked a good one in, in terms of Kyle Weatherman because he's been so solid in those cars uh, for Jesse Uji Motorsports. Oh man, I don't want to pick like uh, a short, like a certain pick on this one. So I'm going to give a shout out to Derek Griffith on this one because I was really impressed with how he was performing until he got caught up in a few late race incidents. But he did a pretty decent job for the number 26 team, and I expect more of the same this weekend uh, for the race on Saturday. Now, for the cup race, the Xfinity 500, for some reason, I, I don't know why. Right now, as of this recording, I'm going to say the number 18 team of Kyle Busch is going to win the race. They don't have really like any playoff incentive to win the race, but Kyle Busch is so darn good at Martinsville. And I really feel like, yes, he's got his stuff going on with JGR, and uh, it's understandable how he feels before he moves on to RCR. But I think as a driver, you want to have more than one victory in a season. And I know how he feels about folks saying that he's only backed his way into victories. We've said this on the podcast earlier this year. So whether he backs into it or he dominates, I think Kyle Busch is my pick for Sunday afternoon. But as far as a dark horse is concerned, this one's kind of out of nowhere. And I don't know why I'm saying this guy's name for this. It's just more like a, hmm, this could be a, a good situation that comes up on Sunday afternoon. But let's go with Justin Haley, AJ Allmendinger's son in the world of motorsports. Um, College Racing has been really solid in the Cup Series side of things. And I don't know if it's because they've watched the Minions movie, <laughs> as NASCAR Chasm has said on Twitter. Um, no, but really, that organization has made leaps and bounds in the cup program. And, you know, obviously, AJ is going to run really well on Sunday. So he's not really a dark horse at this point. But Justin Haley, I would say he's going to do a pretty decent job on Sunday afternoon and kind of cast away those ghosts that haunted him last year in the Xfinity race, where he pretty much had everything go wrong for him to not make the championship four in the Xfinity. So who knows? Again, I'm not really confident in my picks. These are just more gut-feeling picks for this weekend. So what do you think, folks? Are we right? Are we wrong? Let us know. You can tweet to us. This guy over here, Nathan Solomon, his Twitter handle is at nsolly02. I am at Rob T. Ongson, and our main Twitter account, of course, is at the podium finish. So tweet to us. Let us know. We want to hear who your picks are. Seriously. So... Anyways, we hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Podium Perspectives, because now it is time to get in the hot seat. And this is a pretty fun interview for this week's episode of TPF Live. Now, of course, this was all happening um, during the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500 race weekend at Texas Motor Speedway, literally a few hours before the race ensued. Unfortunately, the race that ultimately Alex Bowman was injured in and is still feeling those concussion-like symptoms as we speak. So certainly, again, we all hope Alex gets better. But I will say in this interview, uh, compared to the one that we did in January, this one was really fun. Um, and yes, I will post those interviews that I've done already. And for this one, we'll have it on YouTube soon. But um, this particular interview, we covered how he wanted to end things with Greg Ives, his crew chief, of course. And also to just the progress of the number 40 team winning a prestigious award for those who are pet lovers and animal lovers. Because as you know, Alex Bowman has two dogs, Roscoe and Finn. And uh, we talked about what it's like to own dogs because uh, obviously I've got a puppy, uh, a one-year-old Southern um, black mouth cur named Amelia or Emmy. So it was pretty fun just to talk like regular guys on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning rather. So um, also too, we got to hear what he thinks about the best hairdo, I think, in NASCAR. So grab your popcorn, Nestle Crunch, whatever it is, because now it's time for the hot seat interview with Alex Bowman. Welcome back to Taponing Finish Live here at Texas Motor Speedway. It's Rob Tiantz with Alex Bowman, driver of the number 48 Ally Chevrolet. Alex, thanks for joining us here once again, and congratulations on making the round of 12 yet yeah, again. Thank you. You know, we've got a really unique playoff round, which we'll talk about here, but you had a really amazing playoff segment to begin with. You got a bunch of top 10s, and really at Bristol, you're on, on the way to get another one before Trouble found you, but 
How encouraged are you about the team's performance thus far? Yeah, I think we started the playoffs really strong. Uh, it was good to kind of have that reset after a rough summer, and we were able to perform really well at Darlington. We over overcame a lot, had a great day at Kansas, and then had a really good day going at Bristol until we lost power steering. And I mean, we still ran sixth in stage two with no power steering and, and then got caught up in a crash in the final stage. So, um, you know, it's good to have some speed. I thought we were really good in practice yesterday, uh, especially on the short run. And then uh, didn't qualify how we expected, just got really loose in qualifying. So pretty bummed to be starting 17th with, with how fast we were in practice. But uh, hopefully we make the right adjustments, keep the rear tires on it a little bit longer. and. Um, are pretty solid today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of the drivers are talking about how wild and crazy the track has been with the PJ1 track substance. Have you noticed a little bit of difference because of this heat and humidity, or not really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't been up in it yet, so just trying to pay attention to the Xfinity race and to, to kind of everybody else and, and see what it's doing. Look like in cup practice, the 43 got up in it a little bit and spun out, so it just seems really slick. This place is a, a a mess in general so uh, I, I try to not be the first one up there but I'm sure we'll be we'll all be up in it today yeah, for sure now recently you won a really awesome award the Halifax Humane Society Humanitarian of the Year award for your works with best friends and ally super cool I mean how honored are you to get this reward award later on this year yeah it's really cool I feel like you know everybody at ally and kind of on the team that has, has put together our program deserves it more than I do but it's uh, it's been pretty cool to be able to raise so much money for, for homeless pets. Uh, between myself and Ally and, and best friends, we've, we've had a lot of fun uh, doing it, and it's it's an honor to get that award. I'm sure, and I bet that, that's a testament about how much you love pets. I mean, you have been raising your dogs, Finn and Roscoe, for several years now. I mean, what's it been like to raise them, and uh, were there some frustrating moments early on with them? Uh, there's frustrating moments every day with Roscoe, but uh, I have... I have a good one and uh, a unique one for sure. Finn is, is super easy to deal with, uh, Roscoe not so much, but they both have their personalities and that's what makes them great. So um, it's always good to get home to them and uh, you know definitely miss them when I'm on the road. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling that man. I missed my puppy. I got one recently, a, a nice. black mouth cur. Cool. So I'm, I'm going to talk about dogs with you in the future. but. Yeah. You know, you're one of the several drivers who've been on the uh, race for the Championship USA docu-series. I gotta ask you about your opinion about it. You know, how helpful is it gonna be to bring in new fans? And do you kind of wish it'd be going international, like on Netflix or some kind of streaming network? Yeah, I think it's cool. I've watched a little bit of it. So uh, it's been cool to check out. I think we've all watched Drive to Survive, right? So yeah. uh, I feel like it kind of stems from that and how, how cool of a show that was. But um, yeah, I think it's great. Any more exposure for, for our series is, is really cool. And, um, you know, get, getting to kind of know everybody away from the racetrack is, is, is pretty neat for the fans, I feel like. And were you a little taken aback by Joey Logano's compliments for his wife's name on the cell phone? <laughs> I didn't see that part. I, I saw it on Twitter. So um, I I think it's pretty funny. That's uh, That sums up Joey pretty well. I would agree with you 100% for sure. Now, I have to say the one thing about you guys this year is that you guys have been doing a great job just embracing the curveballs. I mean... A lot of people will be flustered by it, but you guys, you know, you, uh, Greg Ives, you guys have just taken it in stride and look at where you guys are right now. I mean, is it a testament to his leadership and just your cool demeanor combined together? Yeah, I feel like, you know, we didn't have the summer we wanted and, and we've had to overcome a lot, but Greg and I, you know, neither one of us ever give up. So we, we've both been working really hard to, um, to continue to improve and to be a threat throughout the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I think we're in a good spot right now. So. It's been, uh, it's been cool to see how we've been able to kind of overcome and, and do more than people thought we'd be able to do. But uh, at the same time, you always want more. So just trying to maximize these last seven races, I guess, now with Greg and uh, have the most fun we can with it. Absolutely. I mean, what's been the best advice you've gotten from him? I mean, I know he's unfortunately going to be departing after the season, but uh, anything memorable that you'll take from the rest of your career with him? Yeah, I mean, he's he's been a big influence in my career. Um, I don't really know a successful cup program without Greg. So it's uh, it's an interesting kind of time just figuring out who the next guy is going to be. But, um, you know, Greg and I are super close friends and, and going to remain that way. And it's uh, it's been a heck of a ride together for sure. And I bet you want to get a championship just to kind of have him go off to the next thing on a high note for sure. Yeah, a little extra motivation there. Not that we need any more, but um, yeah, I want to end it on a high note for him. I feel like he deserves that. For sure. I'm going to turn things off to a kind of fun direction here because we talk a lot about racing, but uh, 
you know, you do a lot during the racing season that I don't think people understand or appreciate, but if you had downtime to yourself, like a couple months, what are two or three bucket list places you want to visit and why? I feel like I'm always racing on my downtime. Even the, the off week, we ran like six sprint car races uh, on the one off weekend that we, we had this year. So, um, you know, I feel like I like the mountains. I'm a mountains guy. So uh, if I'm getting away, that's where I'm going to be. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like kind of just uh, hanging out. I'm pretty chill. Nothing, nothing too exciting. Now, if you had access to Marty McFly's DeLorean time machine, where would you go, what time, and why? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know how to answer that. Um, I, I don't know. 60s, 70s, and 80s seem pretty wild to me, so uh, <laughs> probably, probably somewhere in there. Uh, I'm going to have to discuss that with you a little bit in further detail. Now, my penultimate question for you would be, have you ever been confused for any celebrity away from the racetrack, and who would it be most commonly? I'm William Byron every weekend, so oh God. Uh, we don't look anything alike. He's an ugly dude, and I'm, <laughs> I'm really good looking, so um, I don't understand how people could possibly mistake us, but they do every weekend. Well, just remember, you're the one with the nice posh hair dude, and he's got that spiky dude that, you know, probably from Supercuts or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm kidding. Well, my last question for you is, and this is for the late Steve Burns, am I allowed to go to your motor coach today? Uh, definitely not. Oh, there you go, folks. Well, that's Alex Bowman here at Texas Motor Speedway, and uh, good luck this weekend, man. Thanks. And that was In the Hot Seat with Alex Bowman, driver of the number 48 Ally Chevrolet Camaro. And I want to give a big... Thank you and kudos, of course, to Alex for being such a good sport during that interview. I mean, yes, we did that little joke, of course, for er, the late Steve Burns. Um, I really miss Burnsy. He was a good guy, and um, I just wanted to do a little special tribute for him at a track that he had a funny memory at um, during the early years of NASCAR on Fox or Fox NASCAR. And, of course, I want to thank my buddy over at Hendrick Motorsports, Jarrett Arneson, for making that interview happen. I hope we get to work more with the number 48 team next season, um, especially once Alex is back to full health, because, um, yeah, he's always got great things to say and share as a race car driver and, of course, as a, a fellow friend to the podcast and the outlet. So really a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll get the first dibs at that number 48 paint ski for next season uh, if it remains the same or if it's going to be a new look. No one knows. But anyways... As far as content's concerned, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to try to get the video clips of my interviews with Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson, AJ Elmendinger, and Tyler Reddick up on my YouTube. And then content-wise, getting the um, digital story versions of Tyler Reddick's interview with me and Alex Bowman as well. And then, of course, we've got a few more episodes to go before the season ends. And I can tell you the next week's episode is a pretty fun one. And then the one after that, um, Nathan probably has one that I don't want to spoil. Uh, I'll just say, if it all plays out right, he looks like a genius. So I'm just going to keep knocking on wood until we get to Phoenix. But yeah, um, got a lot of content coming up. And also too, folks, Kevin Ritchie, our photographer, will be at the racetrack to cover all that amazing action that's going to be kicking off at Martinsville Speedway. So you know, definitely check out his photos in our articles. And if you see him at the racetrack, give him a hi or hello or whatever it is that you guys do in the Southeast. So that's my game plan for this week. And of course, the usual that you see on TPF. How about you, Nathan? I know that uh, now that the postseason situation is over with in baseball, it's all about NASCAR until the end of the season. And then you're busy with stuff that's going on in CNY. But how about on the TPF side of things? Well, yeah, just kind of, kind of the usual stuff. Um, you know, just regular race coverage this weekend up at Martin in Martinsville. Um, and then next weekend, regular race coverage in Phoenix. Hopefully, um, I have a couple, might have a couple features, special features coming ahead of the championship. So I won't, uh, won't release any spoilers. But um, trying to get some stuff done, make some stuff happen. So hopefully, everyone, uh, everyone reading will have a, a nice full week of. Uh, championship week coverage here on, on, on TPF between uh, you and me and the rest of the staff, but uh, excited. Like, it's kind of weird. Like I'm excited for the end of the year, but I'm like not excited for the end of the year, you know, like you're, you're you know, you're excited. Cause like, you know, you love, love like watching the last couple of races of the season. And then it's like a little break. 
but at the same time, it's like, oh man, there's no racing to watch, there's no racing to cover. But yeah, no, but it's so exciting, though, I guess. Oh yeah, no, I get it, man. Uh, the off season's always a little tough to get through, especially after you get past the uh, the award banquet week, which is in Nashville again this year. Because basically, basically from there, we just have to wait. You know, we've we've got stuff to watch. Maybe we'll do reviews of the race for the championship uh, docu series that's on uh, Peacock. Uh, I have that. I have that app. So maybe I'll give you guys my synopsis and reviews. Um, maybe we'll be watching Jay Leno's car garage show because uh, one of our buddies who was on TPF Live episode twenty is going to be on that show. So I am, of course, talking about Atlanta's King. So. Look at you, Alanis. You you moved on up from TPF, and now you're with Jay Leno. So, yeah, hopefully uh, you can come by on our show. I want to hear all about how it was like to hang out with um, the former late-night talk show comedian. Although I have my thoughts on late-night talk show hosts, which I'm going to keep to myself for now. Nothing bad, just I preferred uh, a different co uh, kind of comedian. But Jay Leno's a pretty, pretty funny dude, I suppose. But, uh, yeah. Folks, hang tight. We've got a lot to get to this week for Martinsville. And then, of course, Phoenix Raceway. Oh, man. All all hands on deck, as far as I'm concerned, because we're going to have three photographers at the racetrack. So it's almost a triple championship coverage that you'll have to watch out for. And then we'll get through the offseason together. And then before you know it, it's time for the... Bushlight clash at the LA Coliseum, which I hope we have some folks over there. We'll see. Maybe Luis Torres has done a good enough job to convince other folks to join him. But that's another time, another topic for another time. But let's get ready for Martinsville and wrap up episode number 51. So for Nathan Solomon and of course for Alex Bowman, I'm your host, Rob Tiansen, thanking you for tuning into TPF Live, the world's fastest hour of racing talk. If you wish to listen to our previous episodes, including, yes, episode number one, you can catch that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever podcasting platforms you're listening to. For next week, episode number 52, the one-year anniversary show, sort of, it will be Kyle Larson who will be in the hot seat. And, of course, we'll look ahead to all that's going to happen at Phoenix and look back at what should be a crazy weekend at Martinsville. We hope. We'll see. Hopefully it's better than April. But until next time, folks, we hope you enjoyed this show. And as I always say on the, at the end of these shows, let's go get that checkered flag. And until next time, so long, everyone.